God's purpose for your life. I trust all of you or most of you have brought this publication with you on fulfilling God's purpose. I mean, if you would have already received copies of it, please take it out. If you don't have one, just look at your neighbor's copy. Fulfilling God's purpose for your life. I'm going to spend a few moments just reviewing what we've done so far, and then we will uh, get into what we want to cover this morning. You know, uh, about two weeks ago, we had a youth camp. It's an awesome time. Amen? Makes us feel young again. <laughs> and in one of the sessions, we talked about redefining your focus, redefining what you're focusing on in life. And in that session, we, we open the session by asking this question. What are you living for? And this morning, I want to open up our, our time together with the same question. What are you really living for? What are you really living for in life? You know, some of us might write down, oh, I want to become the next Bill Gates. I want to become whatever. That's what I'm really living for. To make a lot of money. To become very rich. Or whatever. You know, all of us have different things and we, want to, we like to live for. What are you really living for? If you were to answer that question, what would your answer be? What am I really living for? I want to challenge us this morning. We really have to live for fulfilling God's purpose for our lives. Amen. That's what I want to live for. I want to fulfill the purpose of God for my life. And we challenge the young people. We said, live for things that are ahead. What's ahead? Paul said, I press on to lay a hold of the call of God, the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. The call of God is ahead of you. Live for things above and live for things eternal. Amen. So every morning you get up, you do this, do that, you do that. You define your life. <laughs> I live for what's ahead, I live for what's above, I live for what's beyond me, eternal. Finish, that's my life. Amen. I live for what's things, uh, there's no point in looking back. You know, you cannot drive a car. Staring into a rearview mirror, you're bound for an accident. But most of us live our lives like we're driving a car, looking at the rearview mirror, always looking back. I wish things I hadn't done this, and I wish this didn't happen, and I wish it was like this and it was like that. You're really not going to go too far if you're living life looking at the rearview mirror. Amen. You've got to look ahead. Now, every now and then, you glance into the rearview mirror just to, you know, what lessons have I learned in the past that can be of some help to me today? Glance at it. But you don't live life looking in the rearview mirror. You've got to look ahead. What's ahead of you? When all is lost, your future is still intact. Amen? The call of God is still ahead of you. You haven't lost it. It's in your future. So live life looking ahead. Look, live life looking at things above. What's dear to the heart of God? Paul said, set your affection on things above. What's important to God should be important to you. And live life looking at things eternal. Too many times we are so focused on the temporal. What can I, what's now? 
But live life. Paul said, we look, we look not at things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. I'm living for what's eternal. Amen. What's eternal? People are eternal. Amen. When we go, the only thing we'll be able to take across to the other side are the lives we've touched. We can't take our money with us. We can't take other things with us. But the people we've touched will join us on the other side. They're eternal. Amen. So live for what's ahead. Live for what's above. Live for what's eternal. And that kind of sums up what we've been trying to study together in fulfilling God's purpose. We said that God has a plan, has a purpose for every person. Amen. Tell a neighbor, God's got a plan for you. The Bible tells us that even before we were born, all the days of our life were written in His book. A blueprint for your life is there in heaven. Amen. You're not an accident waiting to happen. You're God's dream waiting to be fulfilled. God has places that He wants you to go. He has people He wants you to meet. He's got lives He wants you to touch. And He's got things He wants you to do on the earth. There is no greater purpose, no greater satisfaction, no greater adventure than living to fulfill the purpose of God for your life. This is it. I want to live for God's purpose for my life. And having said that, we said, okay, now how do we find out God's plan and purpose? I'm just reviewing here. We went through nine different ways that God can communicate His purpose to us. We covered those nine things. The last time we talked about this, we said that God prepares us before He releases us to do what He has planned for our lives. God will prepare you. He will prepare me before He can release us to do what He has called for our lives. God prepares us for it. This morning we are in chapter 4. I want to talk to you about something very important that you and I must understand if we are going to fulfill the purpose of God for our lives. We're going to talk about positioning yourself to fulfill His purposes. Positioning yourself to fulfill the purpose of God for your life. Simply put, it's this. We must learn to be in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing, if we are going to fulfill the purpose of God for our lives. Amen? Let me, let me repeat it again. We must learn to be in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing. If we are going to fulfill the purpose of God for our lives. A very important truth concerning fulfilling God's purpose for our lives. There are several things we can see in Scripture. Number one, we can see that uh, God positions us to fulfill His purposes. A great example is that of Esther, who was co cousin to Mordecai. And... Uh, Esther was an orphan. Mordecai was brought her up. The Bible says she was a very good-looking young lady, so she ended up becoming queen to King Ahasuerus. And it so happened that there was a man in the king's court whose name was Haman, and he designed a plot to destroy all the Jewish people. And here was Esther, a Jewish woman, who was queen, and she had the possibility of doing something to intervene in this whole situation. And Mordecai reminds her, he says, Esther, 
You know, if you don't do anything, God will still bring deliverance for his people. Deliverance will surely come. However, I want to wake you up to something. Maybe you've been made queen for just this very purpose. Maybe you've come into the kingdom for such a time as this. Esther, wake up. Look beyond what meets the eye. See something beyond the fact that you're queen. See the fact that you've been placed there to bring deliverance to the people of God. You've been positioned very strategically to do something of significance for the kingdom of God. Amen. And the word God is not mentioned, obviously, in the book of Esther. But we know that these are Jewish people, the people of God. It's implicit. It's understood. They are fasting. For what? To pray to God. The living God. So, being positioned is very important. God will position us. Put us in the right place. And in whatever position you and I are, we must learn to look beyond what just meets the eye. And see that there is something of significance. Something very strategic that God is doing in the place where He has put you. Amen? We must learn to think in these terms of being positioned to fulfill the purposes of God. Being in the right place, doing the right thing at the right time. Now when you understand this whole truth about positioning, then for those of us who are are students, then you're going through college, it's not a hurdle you have to cross to get married. It takes on something bigger than that. Your studying, your education, you begin to say, God, what course must I take? What degree must I get so that I can do something of significance for the kingdom of God? My studying in my college is not just to get a degree. My studying in my college is to equip me to do something of significance. I want to be in the right place at the right time doing the right thing. And this is helping me get there. Amen. Then you look at your job, not just a means to win your bread and butter, but your job becomes something very strategic. You say, God, I want to be in the right place, working at the right job, so that I can do something of significance for the kingdom of God. Amen? Yes, you must get your degree. Yes, you must you know, earn your bread. That's important. I'm not saying it's not. But there is something beyond that. You understand the truth of positioning. That means your job now is going to become a vehicle for you to do something of significance for the kingdom of God. Where you live is also very important. So God, you know, a little shack on the side of the road is enough for me. Well, you got to think beyond that. You say, God, give me the right place to live in this city of Bangalore so that, God, I can do something for the kingdom of God. So that when that person comes to you, you know, he transfers from some other part of India. He comes to you. He starts putting pan at your doorstep. And you just begin to extend the love of God to him. And his life gets touched. Amen. Meaning, you know, even where you live matters. It's not like I'm just living here. No, no, no. I'm positioned here for the sake of the kingdom of God. That's my house. But it's positioning. It's on purpose that I'm here. I have a divine mission. Yes, this is where I come in to rest, etc., etc., etc. But this is a place where I can, I can have some influence for the kingdom of God. It's positioning. 
So everything in life, you will learn to think about life like this. That everything you do is somehow connected to you fulfilling the purpose of God. Whether it's your studies, your job, where you live, whom you marry, whatever you do is connected to this. Then you know, you're really learning to be in the right place at the right time doing the right thing for the kingdom of God. We must learn. You know, time and time again, I just pray. I say, Lord, is everything okay in my life? This area, this area, this area, this area. Are, these all, are all these things okay? Am I in the center of your will? Am I doing the right thing at the right time? The way you want me to do it. Is it okay? If it's not, then I need to get alliance. Change. Make the change. Come into alignment. Because positioning is so important. Because we must be positioned if you're going to fulfill the purposes of God. Amen? Secondly, we must be positioned to receive divine provision. Even the provision of God is connected to us being positioned correctly. Sometimes we can miss the provision of God if we do not position ourselves correctly. It is not that God is not providing, you haven't put yourself in the right place. Take for example, uh, that of Elijah in 1 Kings the 17th chapter verses 1 to 9. God spoke to Elijah. He said, Elijah, go tell the people there's going to be a drought in the land. It's not going to rain for three years. So Elijah goes and proclaims the message. And then God says, Elijah, I want you to go to the place called Cherith. Because there is a brook there. And I'm starting my own Federal Express company. And I'm going to deliver to you bread twice a day. Here comes the ravens, morning and afternoon, delivering food to Elijah. God took care of them. Amen. Special treatments kept his prophet alive. But the Bible says that in the course of time, the brook dried up. So can you imagine if you were Elijah, what would you do? What would you do? God sent you to Cherith. He was providing for you all this while. Divinely, supernaturally, clear crystal water to drink, special food delivery. God was taking care of you. And now suddenly, the brook dries up. What would you have done? Here's what happened. God spoke to Elijah and said, Okay, Elijah, I want you to reposition yourself. I'm not stopping my provision. It's just that I'm going to do it a little differently. I want you to get out of Cherith. I want you to go to Zarephath. And over there, I've, I've, I have a widow woman who's gone through whom... I'm supernaturally going to continue my provision for your life. And Elijah got up from Cherith, went to Zarephath, and God's provision continued. But just imagine in the picture of your mind, what would have happened to Elijah if he said this? He said, God spoke to me. I know God sent me to Cherith. This voice that is telling me to Zarephath, it's the devil. Get away. No, no, God sent me to Cherith, and in Cherith I will remain. Wonderful, Elijah, you're going to starve to death. He had to reposition himself to receive the provision of God. Amen? Now, many of us get so stuck up in Cherith that we refuse to move to Zarephath, and we fail to receive the provision of God for our lives. And then we make it all spiritual and say, God doesn't want to meet my need. No, 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 no. God's provision is there. You have to position yourself to receive His provision. Amen? Positioning is important. 
We must be positioned to be protected. The Bible says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Which also means if you're not in the secret place of the Most High, you're not under His shadow. Verse 9 of Psalm 91 also says, Because you've made the Lord who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you. See, your protection is connected to the fact that you've made the Most High your dwelling place. If I do not make the Most High my dwelling place, then this promise doesn't hold good for me. Evil can befall me. But as long as the Most High is my dwelling place, and as long as I am sitting there, I'm seated in the secret place of the Most High, in the center of His will, full dependence on the Lord, His Word tells me I will abide under His shadow. So protection is connected to your position in the secret place of the Most High. Fourthly, we also see that we must be positioned to be promoted in life. To grow up in the things of God, to grow up in the purpose of God, we must position ourselves. A great example is that of King David. Up until this point, David had been living in caves like a vagabond. He had been running away from King Saul who was trying to kill him. And the Bible says in 2 Samuel chapter 2, verses 1-4, to 4, that you know, once Saul died, David asks God, God, can I now go up into any of the cities of Judah? Can I move to city life? From cave life to city life. Can I move? And God gives him permission. And God says, okay, go. And he asks, God, where should I go? And God says, go to Hebron. And David moves to Hebron. And the interesting thing is this. As soon as David comes to Hebron, the people of Judah come and appoint him king. He steps in to fulfill the purpose of God for his life. Now let me ask you, what would have happened if David did this? What would have happened if David said, God, I just enjoy this rustic life in the cave. I like to climb up the trees and chase the monkeys and get the fruit. It's just cool, God. I just like this kind of life. It's just, you know, no worries. So free. You know, it's like the jungle book story, you know. <laughs> No worries, God. I just like it. He had his 400 men, an army of 400 people with him at that time. God, I've got these 400 men. No, they protect me. We, we have a good time together. I know I'm supposed to be king, but God, I just like the cave life. I'm happy here, God. What if he had not positioned himself back, uh, moved from the caves back into Hebron? He may have lost out. On the plan of God for his life. He has lived and died in the caves with his 400 men. Never been made king. So we must learn to be positioned if you are going to be promoted. Amen. Are we all awake or fast asleep? You are awake? Amen. Positioning is so important. And finally we see that we must be positioned to be in the current move of God. You know, God has not stopped working. And God is unfolding a plan on the earth. Means he's, he's moving on in the program. But some of us, for some reason, we get stuck up with the previous work of God and we miss out on what God is doing currently on the earth. Amen? Why? Because we are so fixed on what God did 25 years ago or 100 years ago. 
Yes, God did it at that time, but since that time he's moved on. And what is God doing now? That's where we should be. We definitely need all that God has done. That's our past. That's our history. That's our foundation. But we must learn to be in the now of God's program. Think of some examples here in the Bible. First of all, that of the brazen serpent. We read about that in in Numbers 21 and also in 2 Kings 18. What happened in Numbers 21? There was a time in Israel's history when God told Moses, make a brass serpent Put it in the middle of the camp. If any of the people are bitten by snakes, all they have to do is look at the brass serpent and they'll be well. So Moses did that. I went away, anyone, anyone, anyone was bitten by the snake, they just by a snake, they looked at the brass serpent, they were well. But several hundred years later, what do we see in, in 2 Kings 18th chapter? People made an idol out of what was once an instrument of God. They made an idol and they started worshipping it. They were worshipping the brass serpent. They got so locked in to the fact that at one time God did it that way. God had ceased doing it that way. God had moved on. But the people were so locked into a past move of God. A past work of God. And therefore that became an idol to them. And a hindrance from them worshipping God himself. Think about Moses. There was a time in it when, when God told Moses, Moses, strike the rock and water will come out. Exodus, the 17th chapter. The people were thirsty. Moses struck the rock of God, a rock with the rod of God. Water came out. The people were, you know, were ministered to. Another time, same situation. People wanted water. They were thirsty. God said, Moses, this time I want you to speak to the rock. But Moses was so agitated. He took the rock. He struck it twice. Now, water came out. God took care of his people. But there was a judgment on Moses. He could not fulfill the rest of God's plan for his life. He could not go into the promised land. He failed to do it the way God wanted it done at that particular time. Yes, God had done it a certain way in the past. But now God wanted it done differently. Because he failed to go with what God said, he lost out on that portion of God's plan and purpose for his life. See the consequence. See how serious this is. For us to be in, car, in, in, in step with the way God wants to do things in our lives. Amen. Another example is that of John's disciples. In John chapter 1 verses 36 and 37. The Baptists became Christians. You know, John the Baptist had his own disciples. And he had baptized them. They were John the Baptist's disciples. And then his time was over and Jesus came on the scene. And John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes over the sin of the world. He pointed to Jesus. And so interesting, verse 37 says that his disciples left him and followed Jesus. What if they said, I was born a Baptist. I'm going to live a Baptist. I'm going to die a Baptist. What if they had refused to move on with what God was doing and meet with Jesus and become a disciple of Jesus? What if that had happened? They'd have lost out on the current move of God and what God is doing. So saints, positioning is so important. We must learn to position ourselves if we are going to fulfill the purpose of God, if we are going to receive the provision of God, if we are going to have protection from God, if we are going to receive promotion from God, and if we are going to stay in the current work of God. If you look at church history, 
first 400 years was an awesome time in the life of the Christian church. Signs and wonders, miracles, speaking in tongues, and the supernatural work of God was all so normal, was so part of, of the life of the church. Studying the word of God, fellowship, and meeting together, and sharing the gospel, all of this was just part of the normal life of the Christian church. But after that, from 8400 to 1400, 1,000 years, the church went into a period known as the Dark Ages. Nothing was made available to the people. The truth of God was hidden from the people. And the only church available at that time, the Catholic Church, really didn't do a good job. A lot of wrong things were taught to the people. They sold things called indulgences, where you could buy licenses to go and sin. There were things called purgatory, where if you didn't live a too good of a life and you got stuck up, they will pray for you so you can make it to heaven from there. And all kinds of things which were not in the word of God was made known to the people and people didn't know better. They didn't have the truth. But then a man named Martin Luther stood up and said, Sorry, I've read in my Bible that the just will live by faith, not by indulgences. He was sent out of the Catholic Church, but he began what was known as the Protestant movement. God had started doing something in bringing restoration to the church and revealing the truth. Then came the sanctification moment where people like John and Charles Wesley began to say, not only do you need to be saved, but you also got to live righteous. And if you're going to teach the truth about sanctification, we've got to live holy. But God didn't stop there. He went on. And there was a restoration of the healing. And, and then in, in the 1900s, God went on exactly 100 years ago in 1906 in Azusa streets. God poured, there was a mighty outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Which then spread all over the world and came to, and then out of that was birthed the Pentecostal movement. So God didn't stop in 1400. He didn't stop in 1500. He has gone on to do things since that time. The Pentecostal movement spread all over the world, but God didn't stop with that. In the 1960s, we began to see God raising up healing evangelists all over the world. Men like Oral Roberts and T.L. Osborne came on the scene, and many others are like that, where they would hold great crusades, preach the gospel, see thousands come into the kingdom of God, saved and healed by the power of God. God had restored the office of an evangelist to the church. And then in the 1970s, we see the emergence of the teachers and the, and, and, the, and, the, and the churches, pastoral teaching churches, coming on the world scene. All over the world, people began to teach, 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 teach the word of God to the people. You people began to teach on radio, on cassette tape, on books, and, and every means the word of God was being broadcast out to the people. People began to explain the word of God so that God's people could understand it. The restoration of the teaching ministry we saw in the 1970s. In the 1980s, we saw the restoration of the prophetic. God began to raise up prophets all around the world. People could come and tell you, that says God. This is what God is doing in your life. And people say, how do you know it? It's the Spirit of God revealing it to me. And the prophets, the prophetic movement we see released on the earth and prophets being raised up all over the world. And then in the 1990s, we began to see the emergence of apostles. Strong people who could go forth and open up nations for the sake of the kingdom of God. Nations like Russia, Albania, many countries in Eastern Europe were supernaturally open before, for the kingdom of God. Why? Because God had raised up apostles who could go and say, we are getting, getting into that nation. And whole nations began to be opened up for the gospel. There are apostles on the earth today. Amen. So God has moved on since what began in 1400s. But some of us get stuck up with, oh, I'm a Lutheran. It's wonderful. But please understand, God's moved on since then. Get into the current move of God. What is God doing today on the earth? He has revealed so much to the body of Christ. Get present truth. Understand what the Lord is saying to His people today. 
Amen. A new thing that we are seeing God do today is this. God is raising up churches that are becoming relevant to the culture in which they are. Amen. But you know, every time God releases something new, people of the previous move will oppose the new. Will always oppose the new. Why? Because it looks a little different. Doesn't smell like smell like we do. Doesn't look like we do. So they will always oppose. People of a previous move always have the tendency to oppose a new move of God, a new thing that God is doing on the earth. We always have the tendency. We have it. I dress like this. Why are you dressing like that? Parents tell the kids. I'm not saying we should uh, love indecent dressing. I'm just saying, you know, if you wore salvar kameez and your kids wear jeans, there's just a slight difference about 20 years or so. Amen? So don't get upset with those kinds of things. So long as they are clothed properly, be happy. Amen? It's a different, it's, things have changed. Even in the natural, things have changed. So also in the kingdom of God. God is releasing new things on the earth. Eyes of the people are being opened to see things they may not have, you know, may not have understood a couple of hundred years ago. God's opened up new truth. It's not that we say no to the old. That's our foundation. We build on it, but we keep going forward with where God wants us to go. Amen? So we must learn to be positioned in, in all areas of our life. Let me just close here this morning uh, by talking about things to keep in mind as you position yourself. Be willing to let go. See, sometimes we are so tightly linked to our present and therefore we are unable to step into the future. If you hold on to your present, you can't step into your future or your past. If you hold on to your past, you can't step into the future. Be willing to let go. You know, in life, there are only very few things that you must hold on to very tightly. Most of the things you hold on very lightly. Just let them go. Very few things in life that you really have to hold on very tightly. One is your relationship with God. Amen. Second, your family, your marriage. Hold on to your wife and your children. I mean, until they can release them. There are a few things in life you really got to hold on tightly. All other things, very light. Right? Time to leave, let go. But so many of us are holding on to things so tightly that we're unable to receive something new God wants to give. Why? You need to let go if you're going to receive. Amen? But you're holding on to your present, holding on to your past, holding on to certain relationships, holding on to things so tightly. God, I can't let it go. Listen, if you want to be positioned by God, you've got to let go. Be willing to step out into the unknown. You know, when God repositions us, He's not necessarily going to tell us everything. You know, God might say, move from Bangalore to, you know, Chennai or Delhi or somewhere. Say, God, where are you taking me? God, how's it going to be there, God? I'm, am I going to have good friends around me? I'm going to have this and that and all that. No, don't worry. If God said move, you take the step. Amen? And after you take the step, things will unfold. So be willing to step out in the unknown. Abraham's a great example. 
Be careful how you enter and leave. You know, how you leave determines how you're going to enter. It's so important. Yes, it may be true that God's moving you from Bangalore to Calcutta. But the day you leave Bangalore is not the day you burn your bridges. If you know what I mean. Amen. So wait, I'll wait till my last day. Then I'll really tell them what I what I'll tell them what I really think about them. <laughs> and then you wait till your last day. Then you look at all your friends and say, you know, guys, I put up with you for the last five years. You're the most miserable creatures I've ever had to deal with. And you just totally let go. Now listen, that's a very dangerous thing to do. You know why? Two reasons. The way you leave determines the way you enter. If you're going to mess things up, you're going to carry that mess with you all the way to Calcutta. You're going to have all that anger, all that hatred, all that stuff in you. It's going to go with you. And what if God sends you back to Bangalore? (laughs) Man, that's it. You've really burnt the bridges now. So you've got to be very careful how you leave. Now, there are some bridges in life that you absolutely have to burn. You know, past way of living or certain sets of friends that have not, that have been very detrimental to you, certain things. Yes, you have to burn certain bridges, but in most cases, don't. Be careful how you leave because it determines how you enter. Be open to change. You know, whenever God takes you into something new, What's new may not always be what, like what the way things were in your past. You've got to be able to accommodate change when you're repositioning yourself. Whenever you get into something new, it's going to be a little different than the way things used to be. Before you make a move, as far as possible, prepare for it. Prepare for it. When you know that God, that it's, God is getting ready to reposition you, maybe in your job, maybe in your studying, maybe in your, in your sets of friends, maybe in, your, in whatever area God is repositioning you, prepare for that change. You know, before Amy and I moved back to Bangalore, we spent about a year preparing ourselves for this thing. So when we moved to Bangalore in December 2000, 2001, we started the com- uh, January 2001, we started the company. February 2000, we started the church. No delay. We moved and we hit the road running. We didn't have to say, God, we need six months to adjust to this place. No. We had prepared ourselves for over a year, mentally, emotionally, financially, spiritually. Prepared ourselves so that when we made the move, we could hit the road running. Just get on with the program. Get on with what God wanted us to do. Amen. We didn't have to wait for six months, a year to get used to things. No, we came prepared. So before you make the move, prepare for it. Now, God will at times use the actions of others to position you. You know, sometimes some of us are like a donkey. Sometimes we need somebody to lift up our tail and give us a good whack to get us moving. And God can use people around you to help do that. Amen? So if people are doing that to you, don't get upset with them. They're just helping you Get positioned to get on with God's plan for your life. Sometimes God will use people to do that 
for you. Be strategic. Don't wander aimlessly. No, you got to really, when you look at life, you got to look at everything as connected to the purpose of God for your life. Right from what you study, where you work, what kind of work you do, where you live. All this, you got to think strategically. Think in terms of how is this going to help me fulfill the purpose of God for my life. Amen. Young people, the person you get married to, you know, don't get just like, oh, you see Mr. Handsome, shh, off the feet. Dad, I want to marry Mr. Handsome. Well, get a little beyond the skin now here. You know, why do you want to marry Mr. Handsome? How can he help you? How can both of you fulfill the purpose of God? Ask those kinds of questions. Amen? Amen, young people? <laughs> you wish you were not here this morning? At least you can say, I didn't know that. <laughs> So it's not about just getting married to somebody. It's about marrying so that you can fulfill a divine call. So even marriage should be purposeful. It should connect to the purpose of God for your life. So be strategic. Don't just wander aimlessly in life. Now, none of us are perfect. We'll all make mistakes. But God is greater than our mistakes. He can reposition us. Sometimes we are like no, 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 uh, Jonah. God tells us go to Nineveh. We go to Tarsus, and we are on our way somewhere else, and we find ourselves in the middle of a big storm, and then we say, "Not my will, but Thy will be done." And then God can, you know, do whatever is needed to get us back. In the place where he wants us to be. We all make mistakes. I'm not saying there's anybody who's never made a mistake. We all make mistakes, yes. Sometimes we make choices and we decide to, you know, you leave your job and you get onto this other company and you go there. The next, the, the first day you arrive, they tell you, we're so happy to announce we're closing down in a month. <laughs> and I say, God, I prayed about this. I thought this was the best move. I've, I heard this truth about positioning God and I wanted to position myself and what's happened? Well, it's true, you heard the truth about positioning, but you just didn't, you know, you made the wrong choice here. Now, even after you get into that situation, God can bring you back. Bring you back and set you on course. So we do make mistakes. But if we are open to God and we are saying, God, I want you to position me so I can be in the right place, doing the right thing at the right time, God will help us do that. And that's extremely important if we are going to fulfill the purpose of God for, your li- for our lives. Amen? positioning. Let's stand up to our feet. I want us to take a few moments to just call the, uh, the musicians up. and I want us to take a few moments just to apply the word we've heard. You know, a man of God said the greatest deficiency in the church is vitamin A. Vitamin application. We hear a lot, but we're very deficient when it comes to applying the word to our lives. So this morning, before we leave from here, I want you to ask yourself, how am I going to apply what I heard this morning? What, what actions should I take? What kind of prayer should I pray before God so that I can apply this truth? God needs me in the right place at the right time.
doing the right thing. Just close your eyes. Just pray and say, God, please position me. Am I in the right place? Am I doing the right thing at the right time? And I want you to listen. See what the Lord says. There is in our life we need to change. Let's, let's do it. Let's change. Are you where God wants you to be? Father, we just stand before you this morning. Lord, our desire is really to fulfill your purpose for our lives. That's what we want to live for, God. To say yes to the call of God. Father, in doing so, we realize that we must learn, we must be in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing. Speak to our hearts, Father. There are things that we need to change. Speak to us. Lord, I just pray that you'll release on each one of us, Father, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, God, so that, God, we can hear from you. We can know where you want us to be, what you want us to do, and when you want us to do it, Father. That we will be correctly positioned every stage of our life. Just pray this for each one of us here today. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also, visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.